0: Who's fired? Who's back? Who's tweeting? Who's angry? Who's signing? We got it all covered right here on your favorite CFL podcast, The Waggle. Welcome to The Waggle. James Sobalski, Davis Sanchez back for another barnstorming edition if you will and just a reminder thank you so much to everybody who has taken the time to subscribe and joins us each and every week here on the official podcast of the Canadian Football League and just a reminder people if you haven't subscribed just yet there is still plenty of time you just find us in iTunes and click subscribe And it's free we love free and a fresh new episode goes to your tablet device smartphone each and every week hey it's a great way to beat gridlock helps your commute helps you on the treadmill when you're working out whatever it may be uh but we thank you very much for the support and the love that you have shown us for the last season and a half week eight is on the horizon here and chesie uh, lots to get into this week we are expected to be joined a little bit later on here this week by odell willis from the perfect that's right still perfect edmonton eskimos odell willis never at a loss of words but this is going to be a fun one this remember, week, buddy.
1: Remember, Odell was coming for my job last year in the playoffs. He he told you he was coming <laughs> for my job. So I don't know if I'm okay with Odell joining the show unless he signs a non-compete clause and let him know that he will not come and steal my job because he does have some pretty uh, interesting opinion and uh, he is fun to listen to. I'd, I'd hire him. I mean, I don't think he's a David Sanchez, but I mean, he's okay, I
0: guess. He's all right. Do, do you hear that? Do you hear that right now? Hmm. What is it? Do you know what that is? What is it? Footsteps. Footsteps, <laughs> Coming for you. I love competition. <laughs> Bring it, Odell. All right. There we go. Uh, hey, before we get to anything this week, uh, I gotta take care of an important order of business, and that is one Cheszi. Happy birthday, buddy. Hey. Happy birthday, man. Happy 50th.
1: <laughs> not not quite, but I do know this. We <laughs> actually we're just about a hundred and I believe we're a hundred and I think it was yesterday it was 105 So today Or 106 So today Is 105 days To the 105th Till the 105th Great Cup uh, I I have committed To doing 100 I was out uh, at the lake for my week off. I took went up to the lake to a, a Soyuz there with the family and the wife and the crew. And, and,
0: and that's a BC B. for everybody. Yes,
1: exactly, ever exactly. Went home to BC and went up to the lake. And, and uh, we were doing some paddle boarding and swimming. And I realized after uh, wifey took some pictures, I realized that I need to get back at the gym a little more often than I've been going to the gym. So I have committed myself. Here is the announcement. I am doing 100 days Oh, in a row of fitness up until the Great Cup. So it's 100 days to the Great Cup, week till Great Cup week starts. I will work out every day for the next 100 days until the Great Cup. That's my commitment to myself and also now that I've said it out loud, I guess it's my commitment to to everybody. But yeah, I'm doing 100 straight days. Get my, I got to get, get I got to get I got to get right.
0: Isn't it funny how sometimes you hit that moment in the summer when Man. you kind of go to the beach? And, and, like, I mean, for me, this past weekend, the long weekend, I take the kids camping up uh, just about an hour and a half north of uh, Vancouver up in Squamish. And, you know, we're swimming at a lake with the kids. And, you know, I'm jumping in, but, you know, rocking my dad bod. And I'm looking around, and I feel like every single person is jacked or shredded. And I'm going, I need to put a tarp on here, so... I don't know if I'm ready to commit to 100 (laughs) days of fitness, but I do feel like I need some form of fitness that's substantially more than what i'm doing right now so <laughs> i feel you jess yeah okay here we go all right let's talk to you uh, i hope you had a great birthday though man Thanks, uh, buddy. happy birthday Thanks, buddy. and it's uh, all the best for another awesome year here but uh, why don't we just dive into this uh, lots of issues to get into and why don't we start with the defending great cup champion ottawa red blacks where i think henry burris posted a tweet over the last few days and really got a lot of people going hmm and he seemed to pose a theory as to why the Red Blacks are struggling right now. And Smiling Hanks says, You can't take the leadership of a team away and expect the same results. This is not the same Red Blacks team from the last two years. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Now, Ottawa is now 1-5-1. In seven games. I, I don't think anybody would have seen this coming. But the defending Grey Cup champions have won just one of seven games so far this season. They've got the perfect Edmonton Eskimos rolling into town this week. That uh, doesn't get any easier. Um, which, you know, the Thai Cats can be sitting there going, Hey, you know what? There's still hope for us in this division if Ottawa can't win. But here's what I wonder, Davis. Who's he really talking about here? Because... Obviously, we know that Hank's gone. We know that Abdul Kanay left. Ernest Jackson left. And Chris Williams ultimately left to join the BC Lions. But Chris Williams, and, and we talked to Chris about this last week on the Waggle here on the podcast, which you can find in our archives uh, in iTunes, but he wasn't really a part of that championship team down the stretch. He missed half the season. So he wasn't there kind of in November when, you know, push came to shove for this team to go over the top. So, I mean, is he really kind of putting this on him he is a broadcaster now, and you're going to run into these situations. It's great that we want to use social media, and, and it's great that he has an opinion, and a lot of people want to hear what Hank and, has to and say. James with, with befo- and
1: James, before you keep going into this, uh, is is uh, he does have an opinion, he has a lot to say, and there's a very good chance he'll be saying that on our show next week, I did. I did uh, speak with Hank He said hey I would love to come on the show so we'll get him on uh, to just before you go into that but we'll get him on to ask him more about about just that tomorrow but but I think he is speaking of he is spe- speaking about Hank and he is and along with but not just Hank he's speaking about himself he's speaking about uh, Ernest Jackson who is a, who is a leader by, by example maybe not as vocal as Hank but by example and it's true though when you uh, when you lose as many close games as the Red blacks have won- have lost this year, and they have the talent, they, they their numbers say that they should be a much better team than they are statistically and, and talent-wise, then it does come down to leadership. I was going
0: to say, like, Ottawa right now looks a lot like I did in my early 20s uh, at a nightclub or a bar late in the game, right? They, like, there's no finish, you know, it's late at night, you know, you're trying to pick up, trying to impress that girl, and, you know, you just can't you can't close. You know, you gotta, you gotta find Dennis Eckersley. You need, you need the closer. You need somebody to, you know, you need to go to the bullpen here. <laughs> and and this is Ottawa and Ottawa right now. Uh, they can't close. They can't finish. You know, they let another lead in the fourth quarter, get away from them last week. And they, and they fall at the buzzer essentially to the, to the Winnipeg blue bombers. And, you know, well done to the bombers who pulled out a couple of buzzer beaters over the last few weeks, finding ways to win. But, um, I, I, to me, this, to me, this feels like it's more than just leadership. And I mean, you know, if you take Hank out of the fold, they, do they drop off that much with respect to Trevor Harris? No, because Trevor Harris was the all-star quarterback in the east last year we're not talking about
1: numbers wise we're not that's and i think that's what henry's and this is not us speaking this is what what hank said and a lot of people have, have jumped on this so i think it's a good topic of discussion and and it's not what Hank has said, and so the numbers. Yes, you're right. That Trevor Harris is, is not a drop off from the numbers. Trevor Harris numbers have been, uh, you know, fairly good for the most part. You know, some yeah. some parts they were they've been excellent, and, and they're at the middle of the pack uh, now. As as you know, but they at the beginning, the first four weeks, they were off the charts, and and it's more it's more due to the fact of. Uh, like I said, finishing games, being a le- leader in that in that sense, not to not Trevor exactly, but just the whole crew. You got to remember, we're not, you know, there's defensive guys that are that are gone. I mean, there's a lot of guys who are not on that team that we're on. I think that's what Henry's speaking to, but I think yes. I think he is pointing uh, at himself and and and, and you know, lend it be known that that they because no one discusses the fact that they miss Henry Burris and they sure do. And I think it, it's uh, to be fair to Henry, it's. Uh, uh, it makes sense that people should should be speaking a little more to that, and and I think that that's kind of what he's saying to a point. Do we
0: not? Does this not mirror in some respects what Edmonton went through last year after they won the Grey Cup in 2015? Everybody poaches from the champs. You sign all these guys who are expendable and the free agents and all. I mean, they also went through a coaching overhaul as well, but. You know, you take key character and individuals and uh, to me, just as much as Henry wants to talk about leadership, I think chemistry is a big part for this team right now. There's a lot of new faces. There's a lot of new personnel. And we talked about this, you know, previewing the season. One of the areas, and I think we were on the same page on this, Chez, one of the the things that we both thought that Ottawa would struggle with would be continuity at the start of the year where they could be susceptible to some early season losses because of all the new personnel. They still brought in a lot of talent. They still have a lot of ability on both sides of the football, but it's coming together as a team. And we saw that with Edmonton last year, where Edmonton got absolutely roasted the first half of 2016 before kind of finding their stride late in the season. I think you might see something similar to that with respect to Ottawa based on I mean, it can't get any worse uh, effectively, right? I mean, you're 1-5-1 and at this point. They're losing lots of close games. They're right there. But when you look at where Ottawa sits, um, you know, it's the same thing where Edmonton went through where, you know, they got roasted defensively last year at the beginning of the season because they lost so many key personnel guys from the off season. And I think Ottawa, losing guys like Ernest Jackson, losing guys like Abdul Kenei, losing Chris Williams. And, you know, there's a lot of other key guys, whether it's, uh, you know, you can go, you can look around, you can look at your running game. You can look at, you know, if you want to throw in Keenan LaFrance, you want to throw in Trayvon Van, You could throw in different individuals across the board. Um, and obviously you could throw in Henry Burris as well from a leadership standpoint. So... To me, I think continuity has just as much to do with it as it does with respect to leadership.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And they're 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 fifth in the league in 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 points scored, and right behind the behind the Calgary's Winnipeg surprisingly is up there week before last. Winnipeg was five for five in the red zone, which is which is crazy, a great number. But their total their total offense is not uh, is not. That, um, but their points, their points for a game, or they're averaging 33 a game. Winnipeg was, which I don't didn't see that from that offense. But uh, the numbers, the numbers do not lie. But Ottawa is 27.7, uh, that's fifth in the league. But their defense is down, uh, so that puts them in the middle of the pack. And their defense is, uh, they're they're sixth in the league in defense, pardon me, fifth in the league in defense. Uh, So, I mean, you put them there, they're middle of the pack in in those categories. And I think, wouldn't you agree that that's probably where they sit when you look at this team and how they're built? And when you look at them against, uh, match them up against other teams, you would probably say that they're around a middle of the pack team. And the, the, the fact that they've lost some close ball games they could have won they've had some uh bounces that go against them if you flip those bounces up you know even them out a little bit now they kind of sit where they should be sitting with about three you know kind of three wins four wins type and puts them in the middle of the pack
0: yeah i, I mean you, you look at that swing and ultimately the results would you, the most important result comes back to wins and losses and they've come up on the short end of the stick too often but you're right they're right they're right there i mean they're right there with Calgary for two weeks, and we all walked away from those two first two weeks of the season saying, "You know what? Ottawa and Calgary can play every week. That would be amazing." And you know, everybody loved watching that. Uh, but then it's the games getting, you know, that they they let get away against uh, Toronto. And you know, give Toronto credit; they've been obviously uh, scrappier than. They've been scrappier than a lot of people realized, and they've been better than a lot of pe- than, than advertised. But it, you know, it's letting games like you know, again at home against Winnipeg. It's it's results like that that you kind of look at and you say, okay, this team should be better. I mean, even going into uh, the home game against Edmonton this weekend, I, uh, to me, I still think Ottawa has a very good chance to win this game. Whether or not they do, we'll get into that with our CFL pickums. But I still feel like Ottawa's capable of winning these games. They're just not and they're giving up uh, to me. I see way too many home run plays that they get burned and they got burned by another one, Uh, you know, Lankford last week uh, with the big one and and it's just it's too many home run plays, whether it's a special team return, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's a turnover or something or other, they just seem to be on the wrong side of those plays at this point this season. And, you know, at the same time, last year, even with, you know, even with Burris and Harris last year, this was a team that struggled to be a 500 team in the East in 2016. They got hot at the right time. I think they're still a very talented team. But yeah, I think, you know, in the body of work, they're probably a middle-of-the-pack team all around. Are, are they a 1-5-1 and one team? No, but I think they're probably a middle-of-the-pack team. And I think they probably play to their level of competition more times than not. Agreed. Okay, um, so, I mean, we, we, that's that's what's going on in the nation's capital right now. Sticking with the East right now, the Thai cats, um well, they're 0-6 now. We talked a lot about them last week, and we were waiting for something to happen. And I, I, to me, I think they ultimately needed a fall guy here and... Jeff Reinbold ultimately proves to be the guy. Uh, The Tabbies have uh, replaced defensive coordinator Jeff Reinbold with Philip Lawley, who comes in, who's a veteran defensive mind. He spent some time with the University of Auburn back uh, a few years ago, but The tabbies are a mess defensively ever since Orlando Steinauer left. Uh, They're giving up almost 40 points per game in their six losses to kick off the season. Uh, There's hope that Reinbold will stay within the organization. It sounds like he's going back home to Hawaii for the time being. Uh, I think they'd like to maybe keep him in the fold. Just put him in another spot, but um, somebody had to fall. I think, you know, I think, I think some it's almost like maybe it's a peace offering to the fans in some respect to say hey look, you know, Owen 6 isn't good enough. Uh we're going to make some changes and to me this ultimately seemed to be the easiest one that they could make based on the results chess. You
1: got to make a change at some point in time when you your yeah. team struggles and there's things you got to do. You got to make a change and you're right. Jeff Reinbold's the 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 the, he took he took the bullet uh, for this and and but rightfully so. The, you look at this statistically; they're um, they're at the bottom of of every defensive category, and that you know that is that all Jeff Reimbold's fault? No, but uh, someone someone's got to fall up for, take the fall for this. It's not going to be Ken Austin. He's also the vice president of football operations. He's also the offensive coordinator, and he's the head coach. So to make a change to maybe appease some of the fans to say, hey, what are you guys going to do about this? And this is something's got to change. That's what happened. He's not coming back. He's he's not coming back. He's a proud guy. He's been in this league for you know, decades. I remember him in the in the 90s being out in in BC when I was a kid. So he, I mean, he's a well-respected guy. We we've ran into him and, and had a chance to talk with him uh, on occasion. He's a good dude. A lot of people uh, like him. The players like him, and he's earned uh, his stripes in this league. For him to come back in a in a lesser role, I don't think he's going to want to do that. And also, coaches are for those of you who don't know unlike a player's salaries coaches salaries are guaranteed for the length of the contract so he's get definitely guaranteed for the rest of this season and probably because he was the defensive coordinator just named this year he probably has a two year deal so chances are he's getting paid regardless so if i was him i might i could like see where he's coming from and and not want to come back after you know you relieve me of my duties you have a i have a beat down roster I have a ton of injuries the offense isn't doing anything i take the fall but you come out publicly and say you want me to come back in a, in a lesser role or, or a different capacity because they have respect for him. But he's not he's not coming back, not not this season at least.
0: Yeah, no, I you've got the time to t- take a step back. And, and hey, listen, just quickly, one of the great personalities of the Canadian Football League over the better part of the last 25, 30 years. I mean, Reinbold is definitely a wild card and and a real personality. But, you know, you've got to get results. And... You know, is there that much of a drop-off in terms of the personnel and talent? I, I think some would argue your secondary is better than what it was last year. Uh, you still have a pretty good, you know, defensive line. You still have a pretty good linebacking core. Um, you know, maybe the veterans are a little bit older. I mean, John Chick only has two sacks so far on the year, but... It's just this team couldn't stop anybody. Uh, th- that defense was essentially going with a turnstile defense, and that was just rolling over and, and allowing teams to get points after points after touchdown after field goal. Uh, you know, everybody was making it rain in the red zone, and so you know it didn't it didn't work. Um, and now in comes Phillip Lally. Uh He's got he's got some familiarity with uh, Chris Jones from a few years back. He'd been their linebacking coach. And so we'll see if anything changes. Uh, for oh the yeah, Lolly's Lolly
1: came with uh, Lolly's a. That's right, Lolly's a Jonesy guy. He came up here with with uh, with Chris Jones. That's right. Yeah,
0: and uh, and so he linebacker coach uh, now takes over. Get Goals up on him. Get up <laughs> on him, Abdul. Get up on him. <laughs> Uh Winnipeg rolling into never Hamilton old, it, No, no it no I don't get tired of it. No, I I still every time I every time I see Chris Jones or I hear think of the name, but it's the first thing I think of. Get up on him. Get up on him. Um no, I, I so we'll see where that goes. And then June Jones was also recent uh this past week uh named a an assistant head coach for the tabbies. So a couple of moves that kinda go down over the last uh over the last week or so, uh, I don't know what that means. I mean, here's a guy who uh, he's 64 and steps in, and you know, hey, look, great football mind, but is this uh, is this a guy waiting in the wings to take over? Is this guy um, June Jones? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, no, he's, like he's, he's June this Jones. Is, an this advisor. is what I'm trying
1: to make sense he, of this move, June, jo- June Jones is a fresh set of eyes and ears to come in and give give a different perspective for a team that's struggling and that
0: In a league he's never played in a league yeah. he's got no familiarity with that's well that's why he's just a fresh set of eyes
1: that's why he's not uh, you know, waiting in the wings, or being a, you know, the next, the next, uh, the next head coach, or the next offensive coordinator. He's just an extra set of eyes. He's been around football a long time, and he could bring some perspective and just some things that he sees from his his perspective. And he'll they'll give him a chance to learn and to to be around a bit. And yeah, that's I think it's a good move to bring bring a bring a fresh fresh. Uh, a fresh perspective into that uh, that locker room and that
0: the coach's room as well uh, i mean he's got lots of head coaching experience uh in the ncaa and people would probably remember him as well as uh being a former head coach of the atlanta falcons uh but it's it's been a while it's been a while a former nfl quarterback as well so um now so we'll see I, I but i think your point it only makes sense as being a fresh set of eyes i, I would unless Unless things fall to 0-7 this week, uh, unless it falls to 0-8, do you throw him in, or is it Steph Patassi who steps
1: in? You throw who, who in? No one's yeah. getting thrown and in this, anywhere. No
0: one's getting thrown in anywhere. Anyway, so the tabbies, the tabbies. How
1: about, did you listen to after the game? Reinbold
0: out, June Jones in. Yeah. I'm sorry, after, you were saying? After the game, it was
1: over. I, I heard a, a clip from Simone Lawrence. That I thought was uh, it caught it caught me and I and it was something that you almost never hear because we're born to athletes are born to to you know win at all costs and that's all that matters is winning so you never you never finish a game that you lose and say yeah well uh, you know it was a moral victory or or you feel good about because you did this well and this well uh, and you you know you gained on some of the things you did the week before and Simone Lawrence in his in his presser after the game. He said that, and he was in, in Edmonton. He said, now he said, you know what, and this is, you know, Simone's a pretty honest guy, and they, you know, asked him after the game about how he felt, and you expect him to give that answer of, you know what, there's no moral victories here, we got to win, we got to find ways to win, and no, he didn't. He said, it's a different feeling right now that this group, we did some things today that this group and the guys around, we feel good about, and I'm not, and he even went on to say, I'm not into moral victories, or I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm not into moral victories, but... We actually, as a group, feel pretty good about some of the things, and we're going to build on these things. and And I, I hate to say this, uh, I, but but I feel good about some of the things, which is it surprised the heck out of me. And I, and it was it was genuine too to listen to, way, to what he said. I thought it was great to you know to find some good out of a negative situation. I don't think he was um, just saying it to call off the dogs or to you know to save his coach or to do anything. I just think he yeah. I think he actually felt they played a pretty pretty good team. On the road and played him pretty tough, and I think he felt good about that, and and I think some of the guys felt good about some of the things that happened on the field, and they looked to build on that. So that was it was cool to see because you never hear it, James how many times have you heard a guy say when you know that a team played well and you know that they felt good about how they played, and they say it doesn't matter we didn't win. Actually, I'll give you a, I'll give you a good a quick little story here. Uh, my I think it was my first start in the NFL, might have been second, but it was. Uh, the famous uh, he's a very good writer and reporter now his name's jim trotter for sports illustrated at that time he yeah. was a he was a beat writer for the san diego union tribune and and it was it was against the philadelphia eagles and I had got my, it was my first start because I came in in uh, fill in duty. The corner got hurt against the Seahawks the week before and I came in and got, got the start against the Eagles in Philadelphia. That was the Donovan McNabb and and they were pretty good back then. We played them tough and I had a pretty good game as a rookie free agent corner from Canada. I had a pretty good game and I felt good about it when we left and we lost by I think a touchdown or something, but I held my own and I remember in the locker room taking off my tape and yeah, we lost, but personally I felt good. I kept it to myself and looked pretend to be really mad, but I was really happy because i have just made my mark in the nfl and and i have played well you know i'm lined up against you know uh yeah you know uh t.o and freddie mitchell and like some good some good receivers and james thrash was on that team and i felt pretty good about myself and and uh anyway comes over to my locker and and he had never i don't think he's ever talked to me before and he walked over and he said uh davis um you know tough loss he's like how did you feel about how you played and i knew when he said that to me i knew That he knew that, you know, I thought I played a good game and, you know, one of the bright spots in his article probably be, hey, they lost. But a bright spot was a, you know, a young rookie corner came in a a spot they probably thought was going to be picked on. And he had a pretty good game. I said, it doesn't matter how I play. We lost and it's not good enough. And Jim Trotter, at that point, a veteran uh, reporter, turned around and said, okay and he walked away. And he, he basically, that was his way of saying, okay, uh, smartass, you want to give me that stupid answer? I'm not going to write anything about you then. And he never spoke to me again. <laughs> Didn't write a thing about me in the in the post game and never spoke to me again. It was like, you're not, you're nobody. And if you don't give me a decent answer here, I'm just going to walk away and go over and talk to somebody like Ladanian or Drew Brees or Doug or somebody that, uh, I care about <laughs> So that was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll go get a cliche from somebody who's got a bigger name than David Sanchez. <laughs> Which, yeah, but, you know, at, at the same time, you're trying to protect the shield, trying to talk about being sure. all a part of the team, right? And but it was not cool see, that Simone did because that. Because as a young guy, yeah. It, yeah it, I, I, I'll say this. I get, I get where Simone's coming from this one, and uh, I, I know what you mean. But I, to me, this just speaks volumes that a team with that much leadership, that much talent— the lack of confidence that they have as a whole, that that you can sit there and find a positive by coming up short. And in, in fairness to the tabbies, you know what? They didn't roll over and die. I think it was a sign that, you know what? Kent Austin hasn't completely lost the room because they came back and they put up a fight um, and were right there right until the final play where they were in it to, for a chance to win it. Uh, Zach Caleros played probably his best game of the season, I think most critics would say. And, you know, this was a team that was right there against a perfect record on the road. So And that's not easy having to stay out in Alberta all week and try to bounce back after getting thumped and going into Edmonton. They were right there, Davis. So I think moral victory, yeah. But I think when you're a team that that's, tal- that, that's expected to be that talented, a team that looked... To want to contend or there was an expectation to contend in the CFL's East Division uh, and to maybe even compete for a spot in the Grey Cup this year, Uh, this is a team that desperately uh, needs some confidence right now and are clutching at anything positive. And they'll try to take something from what they found against Edmonton uh, into into win at home against Winnipeg this weekend. But they lack confidence. Yeah,
1: speaking of speaking of the the East. There is not a there is not a team with a winning record in the East, I don't believe at this point in time. No. Nope. And there is not. When you look at the plus minus, looked at a couple things this week. The plus minus, there's every team in the West, except for Saskatchewan. First of all, every team in the West has a winning record, except Saskatchewan. We just throw except Saskatchewan at the end of the next three things I'll say. <laughs> every team in the West has a winning record. Blank, blank. Except Saskatchewan. Every team in the West has a plus... In the plus minus ratio for turnovers, every team in the West has a plus. Except Saskatchewan. Every team in the East has a minus in the plus minus. How is every team in the whole division have a minus in the plus minus except for the Toronto Argonauts who are a plus one? So they're basically even, and every other team is is a is a healthy minus. Uh, I mean, there's complete dominance in the West once again, once again, same old story. The West is the West is dominant, and as a guy who played the majority of his career in the East, I hate to say that, and you know, uh, it's just it is what it is. But uh, anyway, you can you're right. You have a chance still. The Ticats at this point have to I can basically I think after next week if they don't win next week. Um, not the Tycast, pardon me back to Saskatchewan but uh, the Ticats have a chance still in the East because of what's going on but I think that in regards to the Riders who we'll move on to here next but I want to say that if they if the Riders now going into this week, they a back-to-back with BC coming up if the Riders now uh, don't win at least one of these games I think you could also add them to that mix with Hamilton and the East, in as in regards to a crossover team, and that's who's going to be battling. It's going to be the Hamilton. They got to start looking at Saskatchewan because if Sask doesn't win this week, they're almost guaranteed to be. Uh, if they want any hope of making a playoffs, it's going to be in the East.
0: Yeah, no question. It's uh, it, like you look at the crossover, and already like there is a huge gap with. You know, when you're looking, when your fourth place team in the West Division right now is Winnipeg. That's that does not bode well and by all indications unless everybody in the east gets hot there's a crossover coming, right? And that's just the way that's just the way it's going to happen. I I can't see. I mean, you look at how far back now that where uh, Hamilton, you know, they're 8 points back of of Winnipeg right now. I mean, Ottawa, Ottawa for that matter, they're 5 wow. back. Wow. Like Ottawa's 5 back. I mean, Montreal's a distance. I mean, there's it's uh it's not good it's not good for any of those teams and and so you're looking at you're looking at a crossover coming in one way shape or form at this point in time and now again we're only going into week eight but we're fastly we're quickly approaching the midway mark of 2017 already uh speaking of the riders um any speaking of uh except the riders uh, the Riders got absolutely whooped in uh, Vancouver last weekend. The uh, return leg at New Mosaic goes this weekend. Um, but there were some people after uh, the weekend tilt uh, in Rider Nation that were suggesting that Brandon Bridge start this weekend oh, man, over Kevin it. Glenn. Oh,
1: man. Kill Thank it. you. Kill it.
0: Thank you. Kill it. I agree too soon Kevin Glenn is not the reason why this team is two and four on the season can we agree on that Kevin Glenn has not been the problem he had do he had an off night as did the rest of the team but Kevin Glenn has been pretty good by and large this season I mean okay he's not Bo Levi Mitchell he's not Mike Riley but Kevin Glenn's had a good season I thought by and large like- and there's there's some games that they've got that they they've let slip away that they were right there in but I think Kevin Glenn's been good this year Kevin Glenn is amongst the middle of the pack in most statistical
1: categories. Uh, percentage-wise, he's up near the top in percentage-wise. He, he is. He's, a, he's, at, he's at 70% passing, which only Mike Riley is, is ahead of KG in that category. Um, he's got. who does he have? He has six interceptions. So he's he's second in the league, only behind Darian Durant for the amount of interceptions thrown. But you know what? Here's the thing: if you're looking to make the playoffs, which is this team still has hopes to make the playoffs, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you still got to give Kevin is your best chance to do that. And and I like some of the things that Brandon Bridge can do: his athleticism, his size. He's got a. He's got a. He's got a ceiling. Brandon Bridge does. But if you're, you know, he's not polished enough yet, he's not able to read the defense uh, enough yet to to give this team, who is a team that needs, uh, they need someone a, a stability, which is, I think, you know, what Kevin does for them. You know what you get with Kevin. You know, you know, he might not be as athletic. He is a little short in the pocket. He has trouble t- sometimes seen over the line. He, he gets a lot of balls batted down. Uh, he'll, he'll have some bad games, but... On the other hand, he give you a, a 500 yard night and he' he'll, he'll keep you in a game. And so if you really want an opportunity to still make the playoffs and, and possibly cross over, possibly do whatever you could do to fight to stay alive, you give Kevin a few more weeks at least now. if we're talking, James, and I think you'll agree, if we get into you know week 11 and 12 and there's not much hope for the riders to make the playoffs, then now you can go move to your future and let Brandon Bridge. Uh, Have a go at it and see what you have moving forward into the 2018 season. But we're not there yet.
0: No, 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 not yet. Um, So we can say uh, we can we can
1: just the answer to that for the fans who want that we can just tell them, oh man, kill it.
0: Kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. Or, or, or we could take, or could take it back to a, a, a what was the, uh, what was the line uh, back in, back in the night? Squash it, squash, squash it. it. I like, I like squash.
1: squash it. It. I like kill it. I also like, I like to tell the fans <laughs> who think that Brandon Bridge should be playing quarterback right now. I like to tell them to kick rocks
0: kick rocks kick, rock. No,
1: kick rocks means beat it you know like the kid who you know the kid yeah. who gets sent you know you're playing out in the street and the you tell the, the kid can't play he goes home and he's walking with his head
0: down he's kicking he's kicking rocks
1: as he walks down the street with his head down kicking
0: rocks beat it and that's not to say, and that's not to say and that's not to say that brandon bridge may not eventually be the guy in uh, in saskatchewan it's not to say and and you know what? Credit to him and Andrew Buckley, the two Canadian quarterbacks who've shown well so far in their in their spot duty so far in 2017. But to make a change right now, just for the sake of making a change, that doesn't make sense to me. No, as of yet. future, so, future, future-wise,
1: yeah, we're on the same page in that. And, and yeah, yeah, shout out to Brandon. You know, he had he, it was mop up time. Let's not go too far and give yes. and give Thank him a give him credit for a big huge game. It's a mop up time, but Brandon has shown other times that he can play, and he yes.
0: he has a future in this league. So yeah future means later
1: future means later hey
0: um hey uh, uh, during that game between the riders and lions there was a moment that i'm sure as a db you can probably appreciate from both uh chuckle and at the same time empathize with um cresden butler uh trying to trying to mark uh trying to you know keep tabs on brian burnham and Burnham gets wide open for a touchdown. You look on the further, uh, you look on the replay, and Cresden Butler goes hard into the turnbuckle, better known as the goalpost, <laughs> and uh, and goes down. and And I'm, I'm sure, like I don't know, has that ever happened to you, or or I'm sure you've at least seen it happen to a teammate or something.
1: No, but it usually happens to the guys coming up for, for south south of the border. Because they're not used to seeing that goalpost, what is at the front of the end zone. They're not used to that. And so, guys will, and it's a, you know, you know. So, I know whenever I've been lined up inside, whether I'm playing nickelback or my time, some of my time at safety, mostly I was out wide 98% of my career. So, I didn't have that issue very often on a crossing route. It's a long way to go. But sometimes you get motioned down or sometimes um you know be you know playing inside you would you would have the situation what you do though is you basically go up to the pole and you put your body in front of the pole and you wrap your arms kind of around the pole and then you you go from there so you stand right in front of the pole and you kind of guard from there you feel the pole well he just ran right into it and you know you know as soon as he starts as soon as a, a slot receiver down the goal line starts to stem you inside you got to know where the goal post is, and you've got to put your feet in the ground and jam. You know that, hey, the goal post is two yards behind me. I'm making my jam point right here, right now, because I'm not backing up any further, because I don't know how much further that goal post is behind me, or or you feel it and go around it or in front of it. But he obviously probably hadn't a lot of experience with it, and it was pretty funny because he he when he, if you watch the replay, too, When he hits the pole, he jumps up and looks around like somebody did something wrong, like it's someone else's fault that he hit into the post. Like, hey, someone tell me about this pole. Or, hey, why is this pole in the middle of my football field? It was pretty funny to watch, no doubt. Burnham gave him the veteran treatment. Welcome to Canada, young
0: man. (laughs) Not a lot of give on those goalposts either, right, Chazzy? Uh, you probably been taped to one or something after school one day, Sebulski, I'm <laughs> you sure. You said you wouldn't say anything. You said you wouldn't say anything, man. Why you got to be like that? Uh, hey, speaking of the Lions, uh, Ricky Foley is back with the Lions. We caught up with Ricky earlier this season on an episode of The Waggle, which you can find Yeah, that's archives. a good one. Check it out. That's a good one. Uh, it's, uh, you know, he had the hard feelings, feeling uh, all of a sudden suddenly cut by uh, the Toronto Argonauts and – Um, You know, he waited, he bided his time. Uh, I think we actually just were talking about this, you and I just informally a couple of weeks ago saying, hey, you know, Ricky Foley still hasn't signed with anybody yet. And uh, lo and behold, he's back to where it all started for him in the Canadian Football League uh, in Vancouver with the Lions. He's 35. I guess a lot of people wonder what's left in the tank, um, but he's got basically two thirds of the season to really... Uh, focus on so you know the wear and tear of an 18 game season is kind of behind it now it's just basically focusing on 12 games uh, left in the season for a guy who I don't know if it's something that the Lions necessarily needed although they aren't necessarily up there among sack leaders this season but I can't imagine him hurting the team uh, when you can put in a guy who's one of the all-time great Canadian pass rushers in this league
1: no, Ricky's. Uh, he'll be a depth guy. He wouldn't be an every down guy, but he'll be someone that, like you said, depth. He can come in, and he's got a motor on him. Ricky, you know what you're going to get from Ricky. He'll 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 do his job. He's got a motor. He'll get those hustle sacks. And and you know, from a ratio standpoint, if the lines are looking to, especially in their sub packages now, if you bring in, if you want to bring in an extra DB and bring out a lineman, Ricky's a guy you can put in on second down. You know, and in, in a 34. Uh, in the 3 4 defense, and he could play outside, and now you can bring in another Canadian uh, or another American defensive back or uh, what have you. So I think he brings some flexibility, and at this point, and this season, you probably get him at a, at, a, at the right price. You know, Uncle Wally's not overpaying, so I think it's I think it's you know it's uh I think it's good for both. Good to see Ricky back in the league, back with the. He had some great years in BC, so I'm sure the fans will be happy to have Ricky back there. I'm sure Ricky's excited to get out to Vancouver, and and he can bring he can provide some. Uh, he's a smart guy, a cerebral guy. He's uh you know astute and knows the defenses, so he'll be good in with the young guys in that in that room, and also provide some some national depth on that line's defense, and they. They have not had a pass rush at all so like you say it's not gonna hurt it can only help
0: no i, I think it I, it seems it seems like a low low risk uh potential reward scenario uh high reward scenario i think for um for the bc lions i think it, i don't think it i don't think it breaks the bank like i said i don't know if it was a pressing need for them but i think it's certainly you're adding an asset a guy with championship pedigree a guy who's a former outstanding canadian And a guy who in limited duty and when used in the right scenarios can still probably show that he's an effective guy based on some of his numbers from 2016 um and even from 2015 as well sure is he the guy that lions fans might remember from a few years ago no But at the same time, I think he can still offer and contribute to this Lions team that has championship goals on their mind. Although, you know, there's a few teams in the West that might have a few things to say about that. Uh, We didn't get a chance to talk. We literally, as the episode dropped last week, Davis, um, the CFL shook things up in the front office with respect to officiating and they modified the, uh, the replay rule. And you know what? We haven't had a chance to really get into it yet, but obviously it's been discussed at length. Uh, So I do want to just touch on it quickly for our own perspectives. I want to give a lot of credit to Randy Ambrosio because I think I said it here last week saying, you know what, this guy is new to the gig. He's talked about not being afraid to make changes if he sees uh, fit. And he wasn't messing around because I even said last week you know the guy's been only on the job for a couple of weeks let's let him breathe for a minute and get settled uh he didn't need to get settled he didn't like something he saw and and this this probably comes at the heart of a player's uh standpoint where he's coming from feeling that the game was getting bogged down by too many challenges and too many reviews and now you're only allowed one challenge per team per game Uh, you know what, is it perfect? I think you can make a case and say, you know, if you get the challenge right, you should be able to hang on for maybe one more challenge. But Davis, I like the call. I like the call and it's one and done. You move on and until a team gets victimized by not being able to challenge something that's, you know, that might feel like an egregious mistake. Um, I think people seem to really like what the CFL's done here. It's a bit of an adapt and overcome. It's right in the middle of the season. And I think across the board, I haven't seen anybody really complaining about this move. I love the fact that the league was progressive on this and didn't want to wait to screw around and say, oh, we got to go through all the red tape and we'll get to the end of the season. We'll talk and we'll have a meeting and we'll, you know, we'll have a committee and we'll form this and this review. No, 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 no. This ain't working. We'll step up. We're changing it. We're changing it now. Boom! I like it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not as uh, I'm not as uh, strong with loving it as, as you are. I think it's a. Uh, I didn't like the way it was before. Uh, coaches were taking advantage of the of the replay. We spoke of Dave Dickinson last week and how he was you know manipulating his routes to to try to engage contact and 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 get that. You don't want that. So yes, I'm glad there there a change needs to be made. I don't know if. If one if one challenge is, is enough or the way it is, but hey, you know what? There had to be a change made. Uh, maybe at the end of the season to look at it again. I I like the fact the challenge. I like the fact that there was a challenge uh, rule in effect in this scenario. You basically, James, and here's the here's the problem with this. If the, if there's a problem with it, is you only have Mark Trestman blew it there, and that's, he's a guy who who uh, you know is. is He's a guy who thinks as, as much and is as, as, as well thought out and planned and meticulous to his preparation as anybody I've ever been around. And I, I think he blew it big time in the first the first week of this. Either he didn't know or he forgot or maybe he, you know, maybe I'll get a chance to talk to him next week and he'll explain his theory on it. But he threw a flag on the first, maybe the second drive of the game in the first quarter on a pass interference on one of his guys, which which was blatantly pass interference the was grabbing the grabbing of the jersey it was a blatant call his it was Cassius Vaughn 26 I think was holding a jersey and and in by the end zone and, and Tress threw the flag I don't know who told him somebody in the booth must have told him to throw it he threw the flag the way I see this and we'll get word from coaches and and players and and GMs that the next few weeks go on and exactly how you execute the new rule but my way of thinking off the rip is it's you, can't, you cannot use that in the first half, almost almost never. It's got to be a game-changing, like a, like you're going down to score and the ball gets intercepted and they run it back. It's got to be like a 14-point swing or a, a huge play in order to uh, throw your flag. It's the only way I throw my flag uh, in, in this scenario. But we'll see how coaches do it uh, moving forward. I think that, uh, yeah, like you, James, I like that they move swiftly and aren't, aren't afraid to aren't afraid to make change but i think it could be better than one one challenge maybe i would go not to get into a long convo but i would go one i would go one challenge if you win that one you get one more so you're still not yep. able to yep. challenge a million times and, yep. and hold the game up but at least you get
0: one you know you
1: know whatever it is one and one i like
0: it no i i agree if you if you want to if if you we're get net, it right we're we're you're allowed picking. to if, if you no if you get it right you're allowed to keep one more um, That's it. No more but, after that,
1: though. Not, not, not. You get to keep it until you get one wrong. No, yeah. just you get one. Yeah. That way, you have. If you see something egregious, you can call it, and you're not, you're not, you know, hooping yourself for the fourth quarter.
0: Yes, exactly. You know exactly. And so, um, but then you know what? Mark Trestman uh, making that play, they might create the mulligan rule, right? Oh, can I have a do-over? I'm gonna, they're going to throw a blue flag for the for the mulligan uh, God, effect, right? No. So. All right. Why don't we uh, Why don't we dive in now for our uh, CFL pickems for week number eight. Week eight already, man. All right. Where's time going? Uh, in 2017, it starts Thursday, Davis. Um, and hey, just a reminder, everybody. Uh, you can always join up and play CFL pickem on CFL.ca. It's free to play, and you can have a chance to win a trip for two to the 105th Grey Cup. In the nation's capital coming up in november just by simply picking the winners correctly so we start thursday in our nation's capital in ottawa where uh, edmonton the perfect 6-0 eskimos roll into town the mr perfects if you will against the red blacks davis i feel like i've taken ottawa more times than not this season outside of maybe the calgary games and i feel like i've been burned most of the time based on ottawa's one five and one record so i'm gonna i'm gonna look at the trends here at which these two teams are going right now uh and i'm gonna say edmonton's going to continue to keep things going uh they continue to find ways to win good teams do that bad teams do not and right now one of these teams are a very good team and one of these teams aren't right now so uh, give me the road team to get the job done. Even though in my mind I'm saying, yeah, Ottawa could win this. I'm gonna say Edmonton finds a way to win yet again.
1: Home field advantage is underestimated in the Canadian Football League, and especially a great home field advantage that they have there, built uh, in Ottawa. I like Ottawa to come out, uh, play inspired football, and catch Edmonton slipping and win this game I like Ottawa
0: okay we go to Friday and it's Montreal at home to Toronto and uh, you know what give me Darian Durant and the Alouettes here uh, I'll, I'll basically steal what you said the importance of home field there uh, but I, I think Montreal I like where Montreal's going right now I, I see that what they're doing offensively uh, they had a tough one get away from them in Winnipeg a couple of weeks ago I think the Owls can take advantage of a Toronto team that seems to be um, slumping at the moment. Uh, we don't know exactly, you know, looks like Ricky Ray's okay, but, you know, despite the good numbers from Ricky Ray, has he looked completely right to you this year? They're throwing the ball more
1: than everyone else in the CFL. He's going to get hit. Yes, he throws a great ball, and yes, he has a uh, a really a really good understanding of Mark Trestman's offense, and he's got some good receivers. So Ricky's doing what I expect Ricky to be doing when he's out there, but I also didn't expect him to make it through the whole season. I don't think anybody did, and that takes nothing away from Ricky. He's a, a tough guy and a competitor, and he take care, takes care of his body. But you're that age, you throw, drop back that much, you're going to get hit. So Cody Fajardo, let's see what you can do, buddy.
0: All right. Uh, we move to Saturday, and it's Hamilton welcoming the cardiac kids the winnipeg blue bombers who are finding ways i'll tell you what nothing's boring about a bombers game this year and you look at the last three weeks they came up short against the lions in the last two weeks uh drama drama uh against montreal and against ottawa and they come up with two victories there uh they're putting up big big offensive numbers everywhere they seem to go by and large so far this season uh, the bombers are Uh, and they go into Hamilton, Hamilton's trying to build off, trying to find a positive, I just, I just don't see it happening, Winnipeg's finding ways to win right now, and Hamilton, you know, I'd love to say Hamilton here, but I'm going to go with the Bombers, just simply because I look at the history here, Davis, we talked about it last week, Uh, Hamilton, uh, not only are they 0-6 this year, They've now lost 16 of their last 20 games overall. Uh, They've lost 12 of 13, uh, including last year's playoff game. Like this is a team that really, really is struggling at this point. So give me the Bombers.
1: Yeah, it's more than winning is is winning close games and finding ways to win. That brings I've been on yeah. a lot of teams to a lot of teams that find ways find ways to win games. Good teams do that. I know that. Winnipeg is in that place right now. I'm going with Winnipeg as well over Hamilton in the hammer.
0: Uh, and then what brings us to uh, Sunday? We got a Sunday showdown with the Riders boo! welcoming the Lions. The Lions rolling into a new mosaic. It's uh, by the an way, opportunity maybe boo- for the Riders to that get that some revenge for here. Su-
1: That boo is for Sunday game starting, by the way. That was what my boo is for, the fact yeah, that Sunday game is starting. I hate him. I'm, Not a fan. I, am the one, I am one of the people, if anyone wants to jump on the Davis, I hate Sunday CFL games. Bandwagon, wagon please sign up at davis sanchez at sanchez davis 2 on any social media i hate sunday games category please uh hop on we'll start our own uh, group gang whatever you want to start even um,
0: before the nfl season
1: i just hate them all around but i but no i i'm with you i, I could i can deal with them before the nfl season once the nfl season come which is now None, zero, no NFL, no Sunday games. Don't try to compete. Don't, Don't compete, compete guys. Compete. CFL. We love, we love, we love our game. We love the CFL. Um, we love everything about the game. We also, most football fans, also love the National Football League. So why play the games the same day as our uh, another football entity that people watch the heck out of? Don't play them on the same day. Why bother? We can play if we could play them on. Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays. Why play them on Sundays? And you argue about people will argue about yeah. Saturday. Canadians don't watch college football as much as Americans do, so you can still play Saturday games. Yes, you try to do that in the states, you will be a problem because the the Americans love college football. We the mo- majority of us don't watch a ton of college football. I do, but majority don't. So let's just play every day but Sunday. But anyway. Back to you, James. (laughs) Yes. Before before I pop a blood vessel. A slight
0: slight little rant, and and I appreciate that. By the way, if you have questions or comments, you ever want to chime in to Davis and I, you can always find us. Uh, You can email us at thewaggle at cfl.ca. That's thewaggle, all one word, at cfl.ca uh i'm with you on that one it's and just don't you know what it just helps avoid the unnecessary comparisons when you wind up going head-to-head with the national football league as well uh that brings us to bc and saskatchewan i really like the way that the lions are shaped this year offensively and then you look at chris williams uh finding his way um you know only three catches last week in the victory over the riders but you know, 75 yards, still showing that he's got that home run ability, Davis. Uh, you know, 150-yard bomb uh, for a grab. I think the Riders are going to get this one back on BC. I think Kevin Glenn will be better. I think collectively the Riders are going to be stinging after getting rolled like they did in Van City. I think the Riders will find a way. I think Chris Jones will have this team angry and fired up. And I think somehow, someway, this team... Well, even the score with the Lions? Give me the Riders Sunday.
1: Jonathan Jennings, uh, I am guessing after watching him last week out at practice, he looked pretty good throwing the ball around, running yeah. around. He looks he looks healthy, and I think he's back. I think he'll be motivated after missing and watching Travis have so much success. I think Chris is uh, invigorated. Not that he needed it because they were uh, already rolling and, and feeling pretty good about their offense and the future of their offense, but... Uh, I'm going, I'm going BC just for those, for those reasons. The fact that this is a fired up bunch and a group that, uh, a group that is wants to show that they're elite. And I don't think a letdown is uh, in the cards for the Leo's right now.
0: I like where you're going. All right, buddy. Uh, So there are your CFL week eight pickums. And uh, that is Davis and I on this week's edition of the waggle. Odell Willis from the Edmonton Eskimos set to join us shortly he's davis i'm james enjoy the games this week and we will be back at it next week with a fresh hot take depending on what's going on who's fired who's back who's tweeting who's angry who's signing we got it all covered right here on your favorite cfl podcast the waggle see ya Joined by one of the great personalities of the Canadian Football League, uh, all from the place of perfection right now, Edmonton, city of champions once again, perhaps. Odell Willis from the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, Odell, welcome to the Waggle sir.
2: How you doing, sir? Glad to be here.
0: I'm glad you're doing this. Uh, it sounds like there's a lot of chaos and commotion in the background. Where are you at right now? Paint the picture for us.
2: I'm in the locker room with my boy.
0: All right, so you just finishing up another day of practice here?
2: Yeah, another good day three.
0: So tell me this. I mean, what a, what a fun time right now it must be to be in Edmonton Eskimo. Uh, what's it like right now these days? I mean, everything seems to be clicking on all cylinders for you guys. Why?
2: I mean, we got depth as a team. I mean, we got the same starter just been here from the Grey Cup, and we just added more
0: players that can play. And right now they're just showing that they can play. So, tell me this. I mean, you guys, it was a different start to last season compared to this year coming off that Great Cup victory. What's different this year than last?
2: No, we just
0: got dumb. I mean, if you look at it, we got our
2: number two and three team playing people. Our number one team is on the bench or hurt. You know what I'm saying? If you actually look across the board, we play with a bunch of backups, and we still win. So, it's, it's a good thing because towards the end of the season, when everybody else uh, down in the injuries, we'll be getting our whole first team back and the backups will have experience, so that should take us on into the playoffs.
0: You, you know, and, and it's it's remarkable. I mean, have you ever seen a start to the year where you've had so many key guys go down with injuries and yet you still stay the course and find ways to win? Have you ever seen anything like it? Never, never in my years of this league. I mean, like I said, we play with a whole bunch of backups and we still a games,
2: so... Like I say, hats off to the front office for uh, finding players that can
0: play. Why are you having so much fun still after all these years? I mean, every time I see you, you, you you've you got a smile, you're amped up, whether it's a game, whether it's a practice. You just seem to embody the the word fun. Why why is it still so much fun for you? I
2: love life. I mean, God God bless me. Wake up every day, so I'm enjoy it, whether it's football or anything, no matter what I'm doing, I'm just happy to be alive. I'm happy to be six feet above ground. I mean a lot of people wake up, a lot of people don't get a chance to wake up because, you know, you no, know, it happened like that, but you know, I'm happy to wake up every day and if I if you give me the uh you give <laughs> me the blessings to wake up every day, I'm
0: gonna take full
2: advantage of it and enjoy
0: it no matter like I say what goes, on. Whether it's a good play, bad play, I'm still enjoying life. So where does that come from? Where where, where did you get that? Somebody, did somebody instill that in you to just, hey, wake up with a smile, be a happy, upbeat guy?
2: I mean, life. I mean, I've been reading a couple books this season and like I say, just, you know, reading, just trying to find out and figure things out about myself. I mean, all the books came back to just living life because you never know when you may be gone. I mean, everybody, people say, okay, we're going to do this tomorrow. We're going to do this next week. But who who's saying that you're gonna live to see tomorrow and next week? I mean, we all take take our life for granted. Like you may take your last breath ten minutes from now after we get off the phone. <laughs> then it's like, oh man, I I put off I put off what I wanted to do tomorrow when I could have did it today, thinking that I'm gonna wake up and see tomorrow. But when you don't see tomorrow, you know what I'm saying, you never know.
0: So Life works in mysterious ways, and we take
2: it for granted. So
0: we just got to live in the moment and enjoy it while we're here. Well, Odell, to that point, if in the next ten minutes I breathe my final breath, I'm glad you were my last interview. Ah, that's what's up, man. That's my up. That's
2: what's up, man.
0: I'm glad y'all. I'm glad you talking to me. Man. Well, I, I just hope I, I just hope you're not disappointed if I'm the last person asking you questions for an interview. I mean, you could have been getting man, if it. <laughs>
2: hey if life works out like that that's just how life works just know i enjoy doing
0: it yeah fair enough hey so okay we we know that you're an action-packed kick-ass pass rusher and demolisher of quarterbacks but i don't think too many of us knew that you were also a kicker and a punter and had a whole boot game where did that come from and uh have you always had this
2: yeah, um, I long snapped for eight years. I long snapped all four years of high school and all four years of college, and I kicked all four years of uh, high school. So, like I say, it was natural
0: to me. So, how so? Were you always? How long have you been the emergency kicker then?
2: Uh, since fourteen, since Coach Jones. When we uh one day, he was like, "Who can kick?" and I was like, "I can." And you know, I just I had to show him before he could believe me. Showed him a couple times and a few more people uh, tried and wasn't, so, wasn't so successful. And like I say, you know what I'm saying, he was like, well, I guess you I guess you got the job. And like I say, <laughs> a, a few times he let me kick in practice. He let me get a live, he, like,
0: get me,
2: he let me get one, two live reps before. So like I say,
0: so- no problem for me. Okay, so if you had to line up for at a practice, like what what could you hit? What could you hit from 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 a field goal? What what sort of distance? What what sort of range could you hit from from a far from the furthest point? Legit. I, I
2: I feel comfortable from no more, no farther than thirty five, like thirty five, and then I feel comfortable with. And, uh, once you hit forty, now I'm to, I feel I feel a little worried. Like I gotta like I gotta push it a little bit, but. 35 and in, I feel pretty comfortable about it.
0: 35 and in, you feel like you, that's that's no problem, but it's, what, what's what's the farthest field goal you've ever hit?
2: Yeah, last year in practice right? I think I tried like a 45 yard just to be funny and pre-practice. You're
0: like, you like, you could be like Canada's greatest athlete.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't mind trying, but I feel like I am. You know what I'm saying, you guys coaches out today. We had a bet today uh, with the field goals. I went two for three. From uh, from P-A-T.
0: You know, you were you really kind of put yourself on the map in the Canadian Football League when you were known as the Mayor of Swaggerville. These days now you're the Mayor of Commonwealth Stadium, right? Yeah. What's it like when you go back to Winnipeg? Because I can't help but think that there's still got to be a lot of love for you back there. You were such a big part of that community at that time.
2: It's a league. Everybody going to have their favorite players and stuff, but people still, you know, they, they show love, so I appreciate them for that.
0: Hey, Odell, listen, I appreciate you doing this. It's great to catch up with you again, and, uh, you know, you got you got Davis real nervous about his spot. He, he keeps worrying about you maybe taking his gig there at some point in time here on the, on the WAG podcast, so you never know. <laughs> hey, man, I'm just glad y'all had me on, bro. Odell Willis from the Edmonton Eskimos, thanks for doing this and all the best the rest of the way.
2: Thank you.